Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Uplifting Impact podcast. I'm Justin Ponder, Chief Information Officer with Uplifting Impact, and I'm excited to be hosting you today as we dive deeper into our journey to make the world more diverse equitable, and inclusive. Today, I'm very excited to be talking with James Jackson III. He serves as the Supplier Diversity Program Manager at Zions Bank Corporation, where he is responsible for building relationships with capable, diverse suppliers who can provide goods and services across the enterprise. Mr. Jackson has worked in various areas of the financial industry for almost 20 years and found his passion serving and building his community. In conjunction with his role at the bank, Mr. Jackson serves on several boards of directors and is the founder of the Utah Black Chamber. As a native of Utah, Mr. James Jackson III is committed to the social and economic growth of the Black and overall diverse community. His goal is to further promote Utah diversity with the hopes of it becoming a more attractive destination for people of color. James, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, Justin. Good to be here. All right. So can you tell us a little bit more about your role as Supplier Diversity Program Manager and what that means? Yeah, absolutely. Supplier diversity is a now growing trend happening within the community. You know, now that the uh, conversation about race and supporting Black and Hispanic and people of all diverse backgrounds has become more prevalent now than ever, one of the um, functions within within corporations is, is supplier diversity. And now it's been, as for me, I've seen a little bit under the radar and now it's becoming more out there. And what basically supplier diversity is, is like how can big corporations um, use a small minority owned business, LGBTQ, minority ethnic, disabled veteran, women owned business to help with their supply chain. So where, you know, a company needs equipment, furniture, property management, janitorial services, marketing, promotion, any type of tech help. Instead of using like these big companies, let's see if they can use a small business or a minority-owned business as their supplier for those certain um, needs. And so that's my goal as a supplier diversity program manager is I, I work with our supply chain team to source for those needs, but look at it as, you know, look for a diverse business to help fill that need as a, as a supplier. And I took on this role in November 2019, and our program went live in February in 2021. Um, it did take a lot of time just because I'm new to supplier diversity, so I had a, I'm learning on the fly. And of course, it's new designs, band corporations, so they're learning on the fly. So we're all learning and growing this program together. Um, but it's been a great experience, and I'm excited for what's to come um, with what we've created. And you mentioned how this area has grown in interest and it has expanded very quickly. And what would you say to people who maybe need some rhetorical tools to convince their leaders that this is the way to go? What are some of the larger 
forces, economic drivers that are motivating this. So it's more than just a new trend. It's something that's very important. It's something that's here to say, what are the benefits of it? And what are the drivers that are causing this great interest? Yeah, absolutely. The um, big corporations knew um, overall, basically, internally, when you're looking to hire people, externally, when you're diving into the community and growing, and you know, this is a combination of both, diversity adds dividends. You know, um, research shows that when you invest in diversity, either in community or within your within your human capital, that your company bottom line grows. You're expanding your audience. You're expanding um, ideas and becoming more innovative, understanding the community that's around you and becoming more reflective of your community. And when you invest in diverse businesses, helping them become a supplier, you're helping them grow. And what happens when you help a diverse business grow? You're creating more jobs for that diverse business. And so you're doing so much indirect impact to a small minority-owned business, such as helping them create jobs, you're helping closing the wealth gap, um, and you're helping them uh, get, become more educated and, and more visible to other opportunities in, in their community. So that's just a little tidbit, little, uh, some incentives of being engaged in a formal supplier diversity program. And I say formal is because, you know, a lot of people just say, oh, I just, I just kind of use my normal sourcing strategy and eventually I'll find a, a diverse business. But, mm. you know, the if you go off the Albert Einstein quote, if you do the same thing <laughs> over and over again, you're going to get what you always got, right? That's the definition right. of insanity. So if you really want to invest in your community, grow your community, learn more about the community outside your own influence, you have to become intentional and create a formal supplier diversity program. And it's becoming like you said, part of formal strategy of what especially large publicly traded organizations are making as part of their ESG reports to remain to, in SEC compliance. Like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is part of our strategy. And why do you think so many organizations put supplier diversity as part of their strategy to improve their social engagement, to improve their human capital reporting? Why is that so important? I mean, so, so often people look at diversity, equity, inclusion as just as a way to recruit employees. Mm, right. But diversity, equity, inclusion is a culture. It's a strategy that stops, that starts at the top. Not only what are you doing internally, what are you doing externally? And so there's three components that I look at as far as directly equity, diversity, equity, inclusion from um, a corporate standpoint, your human capital, um, your investment in the community, and the products and services you're providing into the community. Within a bank, we sometimes look at it as the Community Reinvestment Act, um, CRA requirements, right? They're, they're, they're graded on how well they're investing in low and moderate income households, how they're investing in small businesses. And so this is a huge, this, this from a banking standpoint, supplier diversity helps kill two birds with one stone because now not only are you sourcing for a minority small business, um, you're helping that business grow. You're providing, it, it's a way to provide more education, more tools, more visibility to help indirectly fulfill that CRA requirement. Mm. And what would you say to people who are in organizations that don't have to do ESG reporting, that don't have to do the CRA reporting, because all their larger competitors, all the other industries around them are now be making this part of their strategy. So it's almost like, even if I do not have to do these fancy reports that you're mentioning here, 
everyone else is going to start getting used to them and everyone else is going to start to expect them from us. So what would you say to someone if I'm in charge of a small 40 person mom and pop, why should I be concerned about this kind of reporting? And why should I be concerned about supplier diversity if I'm not legally required to, and my direct market isn't pressuring me to do so, so directly? Yeah, I mean, two things. One, if you are a small business, you want to become aware of those opportunities that these big corporations are are, are being looked at. They are being, um, um, you know, looked at as far as performance. So as a small business, as a minority-owned business, you want to look at first, well, I need to get certified because it's hard for big corporations to actually track their spend if you're not certified, right? Um, so first, you definitely want to get certified so you become more eligible and visible for these opportunities. And there's hundreds of entities out there that where you can get that certification from the National Minority Supplier Development Council to your local, regional, and city and government agencies to help you go through the process. Um, and then once you become certified, then you become more visible to these companies. We use tools to source for these for these types of small businesses. So I was like, if I need a a marketing company. I'm going to look for a marketing company locally here, and I'm going to look, oh, there's a women-owned small business, there's minority small business. Let me send those over to um, my, my supply chain team and see, you know, and then we go through their capability statement and so forth to try to get an understanding that, hey, let's reach out to them and see if they can help fulfill the, the needs of what we're looking for, right? And so now there's more opportunities are going to be opened up to you as this um, smaller business. And secondly, I would say, Look at what these big businesses are doing. You eventually want to grow up to be a big business, right? <laughs> so you want to follow the leaders. So why not follow what they're doing and be more proactive in what's right. to come, you know, going forward? If you're a 40-person shop and, you know, you could still have not necessarily a formal supply diversity program because there's there's a lot of back end that happens with that, but you could become more intentionally focused on that. Like a lot of businesses you know, this is Black History Month that we're talking right now. So a lot of small businesses are looking at, you know, how can I support a Black-owned company? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's host an event and let's get right. a Black caterer, right, mm-hmm. to help with that. So that's, in the essence, that's, you know, supplier diversity right there. You know, if you're looking to do a, a marketing thing and it's during Black History Month, you want to create some swag around that. You can reach out to a marketing company, right? right? That's black owned to help fulfill that, right? That's supplier diversity. So you, you can do things on a smaller scale that you're not being tracked or looked at for, but you can be more intentional about investing in your community and you don't necessarily have to do it around Black History Month, but you know, throughout the year, you can constantly look for opportunities to support locals, support the other um, small businesses around you. And yes, it may take a little bit more time and effort um, and sourcing for small businesses, but that that return over time grows because now small businesses start growing together. You begin using each other and growing um, together. And you mentioned there like two very valuable aspects about like kind of community engagement and then supplier diversity. But there's also kind of this third component that you're involved with that's really important where it's really about diversifying our workforce and recruitment and recruiting and reaching out to talent from underrepresented communities. So, and oftentimes when we work with organizations, they say, oh, we're in an isolated area. We don't have much diversity where we are. And you're in the Utah area and you work, you started and you founded the Utah Black Chamber. What advice would you give to someone who says, hey, we want to diversify our workforce, but we don't know where to start. 
Yeah, you know, it's a question we get that we were receiving often, and that question becomes less and less now. So I feel like we're doing a great job at um, <laughs> letting people know what to do. Um, first, <laughs> That's not an excuse anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's not an excuse anymore. Um, first, I would say, you know, in Salt Lake City, Utah, we are one of the top economies in the state, and we have a, incredible opportunities here. We have the lowest unemployment rate. I think it's two and a half. Like, oh. so we're we're in a surplus of jobs here. Like more than any other state. Um, and so where the opportunities are immense here, you know, we have to recruit outside of Utah. And when you're recruiting mm -hmm. outside of Utah, of course, you're going to start having a more diverse talent pool. So there's two things that we are looking at. One is in inside of Utah, how do we find the, you know, diverse talent here? Um, it's a lot cheaper and more cost effective to source in, you know, within your community than going outside of the community, right? And that's when you have, then this is where it's important for, you know, I call it a diversity after five initiative, right? What is your company <laughs> doing after five o'clock to learn more about the community? Not necessarily even after five, right? But what is right. it doing to invest in the community? Um, mm -hmm. Invest meaning not necessarily in money, but in time and effort, right? Where you're you're going, you're attending events, you're building a network there to understand more what's going on around you. You know, did you know that there's a national a national um, society of Black engineers? Did you know there's a national association of Black accountants, a national association of Black journalists? Right? All these you know fraternities and sororities. Believe it or not, in Salt Lake City, Utah, we have representation of all of the Divine Nine here. Divine right. Nine is the Black fraternities and sororities. For those that are not familiar, right? And so People are like, wow, all this is here, but you have to learn where to go here to grow. Salt Lake City is a little, Utah overall is a little unique because we're not a, uh, we don't have like a Southside Chicago or West mm -hmm. Philadelphia, right? We're segregated. We're right. scattered all over the place, which is great, integrated. But when you have a low diverse population, it is a challenge on identifying these different types of communities, right? You're just not going to walk down the street and see someone right um, a lot of times so yeah i'll go back to that word intentional you know investing into your community identifying those networks that you can tap into also you have to look internally at your company so when you're recruiting these people particularly those outside this goes back how this diversity after five initiative can further their efforts and not only recruiting but retention right mm -hmm. because if you're bringing someone <laughs> new from out of state into utah and they're like where are my people, right? right? I have an awesome employee resource group inside of here. You know, my diversity, equity, and inclusion officers doing awesome things to where I feel like I can grow mm -hmm. here. But when I leave the office, I don't have that structure, right? right. And so what, do, what, what, what are you doing as a company to keep those employees community engaged? Because if, they, if, they're, if they're showing up to work and everything is great here, but when they leave work and they're going grocery shopping or trying to find out where I can hang out or attend events, really just trying to identify their community. If they can't identify their community, right. they're gone, right? right? They're leaving here. And this is where Utah's been struggling, where when I founded the Utah Black Chamber, it was a 0.8% Black population. Wow. And then by 2014, it doubled. Now, I like saying it doubled instead of 1.5% because <laughs> double seems like a whole lot more. Um, but it's been at one and a half percent since then. And wow. so you, we see a lot of new black faces here, but we still have the same population. So we just have those revolving doors. So what are we doing now? We're doing well at recruiting. Now it's focused on 
retaining these employees. So that diversity after five initiative is huge, right? How you how you invest in the community, as well as developing a your 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 DNI strategy within to help build a more welcoming culture where everybody feels that they can reside and thrive. It doesn't just you don't put your DNI just at the HR level. Right. Your diversity and inclusion has to start at the top. And how do you go about, like, what advice would you give to somebody who says, oh, yes, I hear all this stuff that you're saying, James, this sounds fantastic. This is what I want to do. Can you post this job advertisement in your networks? Because I imagine if you're anything like any of the other folks who are involved with different chambers that we work with, like, yeah, since 2020, we have so many of these, we don't even know what to do with them. And also, I'm concerned about who these people are, who these organizations are. I don't necessarily want to lend it to my networks and have people from my community go to these organizations just to have a horrible time. So how can organizations, one, kind of break through the static noise so that they can be heard when everyone else is doing this exact same recruiting strategy, one, and two, actually do things on the inside so they make an inclusive culture where people want to stay as opposed to we recruited you, we tricked you, we got you in the door, you stayed for six weeks and then you left. So two-part question. One, how can they prove that they're authentic, that they're actually engaged with the community rather than just trying to kind of take from it? And then two, what are some of the internal things that lead from recruitment to actual valuable retention? What have you seen most effective? Most effective is one is uh, a lot of companies here start their employee resource groups. Um, mm -hmm those become effective because now you're helping the internal community um, bounce ideas off each other like there's where there was a black employee network or the hispanic business forum or whatever you whatever they call them right these each of these groups um like for example at, at zion's bank corporation we have a we have the black business forum and we congregate we discuss we do you know um speaker series we do forums discussions we um and then also these employee research groups you 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 help them go out into the community because um, mm. now you have a group of a black employee network um, right. going out. There's another financial firm that does this very well, right? They help start the the NABA chapter here, the National Association of Black Accountants. And so, and it's it was formed under the Black Employee Network. And so, every time they attend a Black Chamber event, it's usually them representing that that firm, uh -huh. right? And so they're out there shaking hands and greeting. They're like, oh, wow, you work for this company. And now people look like, huh, there are right. people like me at that company. And they seem to know, like it and grow. So now these, these employees are ambassadors for that company, mm. right? As they go out into the community. Um, so now you're, they're not even trying to recruit. They wanted, they, they're trying to be out <laughs> in the community. They're trying to figure yeah. out where is this community at? But indirectly, they're essentially recruiting. Right. That's because mm. they they see some faces there and now, you know, they go back and then you start bringing, you know, more events internally where you can bring people in um, and start learning more about the company. Then you'll start you start recruiting. Right. And then. Um, yeah, that's two part question. What was the other one? I don't know if I answered. <laughs> the first part was how can I, and I think you did answer it about how can I kind of get through the static noise and stand out. And I think part of it was having people be actual ambassadors that I have such an inclusive culture that people from these underrepresented groups want to be ambassadors for it, which maybe brings in like maybe a follow up question, which will be the last one, I promise. <laughs> so, <laughs> how do you go about 
having and inspiring ambassadors, but making sure that they're equitably compensated and not exploited. So even from the ERG level all the way to, hey, you're working the booth at the uh, community gathering of the Divine Nine. How can we make sure, how can organizational leaders make sure that they're compensating, rewarding, equitably, recognizing people who are doing this work, which is often for free and off the clock in ways that they're representatives and their ambassadors, but not exploited. What does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, tokenism can, can come play into that. Right. Right. And unintentionally, most times, like you don't want to tokenize your employees and some do it intentionally, not realizing that it's the wrong way to do that. Right. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, it's important that you want to create the, what I look at as creating the value. Right. Mm. Um, if you have a big company and you have a sales team, incorporate that into the job description. Like this is this is how you're going to go out into the community, right? So ambassadors can be your your, your business development, ex, your account executives, your sales reps, right? Because it's the, it, it's low hanging fruit for them to just go out in the community, make it fun for them. You know, no door knocking or cold calling or you know, especially in the winter. <laughs> no, yeah, especially knocking. in the winter, right? <laughs> Managing a specific number of accounts. No, have them go yeah. in the community, attend some events, rep, you know, put out a table there and represent. And, you know, Zion's Bank did mm-hmm. great. When I started in the retail side of things, we had this group called Diverse Markets. And that's what that was our function. We would intentionally reach out to the diverse community. And so we would attend all these events and we were promoting our products and services, kind of that swag. We were shaking hands and, you know, building a huge network. And, you know, and, um, Shameless plug for Zions. I mean, people think that, you know, it was, you know, it was owned by the LDS church and not, it may not be as inclusive, but, you know, the CEOs do an awesome job of ensuring that we are investing in a diverse community and are looking for opportunities to make it not necessarily as a token issue, but more as a value proposition. Like, this is what we have to do to get mm-hmm. out there. And it creates value in the, and, and it really instills it within the employees. Like, I want to participate in that. You know, so it's a it, they focus more on being community driven, right? So it's not a, always a direct focus on diversity. It's just one of those elements. There's diversity, there's education, you know, and there's service. Like we have all these events. Where would you like to participate, right? And so, of course, naturally, people of diverse backgrounds are going to look at the diversity initiative. Hmm. So. Right? It's like, ah, I want to go out and attend these events. I want to do that. So it's really just creating that value so that it looks more as an opportunity uh, rather than more of an obligation. That's fantastic. All right. So now this is the last question. What brings you joy? What brings me joy? Um, that people see the value in the things that I've, that I've done. You know, I, people indirectly, you know, look at my LinkedIn profile or they see things that I actively do on LinkedIn or social media or people read about me, what have you, um, they see my passion in the community. And what drives that passion is ensuring that that impact is there. There's there's that value there. Um, and so when, you know, I don't really look for the accolades, whatever, but when people mentioning, you know, because uh, I'm always, I guess you call it uh, self-conscious of whether or not this is worthwhile. Right. Um, I'm, I'm very, very, you know, we are our most, we are, we are our biggest critic in you know, ourselves, right? Yes. And we're always looking to ensure that, am I doing, is what I'm doing making impact? Because, right. you know, w- within the chamber, within Zion's, like, you know, there's a lot on there. You know, you look behind me, 
Um, you see that book, Black Utah, that we just published on February 1st. We did that book in 10 months, right? Wow. Is it is it providing impact? But when I hear the reviews and the outpour of appreciation for it, and, you know, it's hitting number one release on every edition that we put out on Amazon, you know, it's that gives me joy is that, all right, it's working, right? Yeah. Just, just, just to know that what I'm doing is working for the community um, and it's attributing to, it's contributing to the legacy that I plan to leave. So how can people reach out to you to help you continue that legacy? How can they stay in contact with you? You know, I'm naturally a salesperson, you know, founding <laughs> a nonprofit. And as a salesperson, you want to be visible. So I'm not hard to find. You can find them. <laughs> you can find them on my website, jamesjackson3.com um, or j3motivation.com. Um, my LinkedIn profile, James Jackson III. You can find me there. Um, yeah. And then all the other social media platforms, but not all of them, you know, Instagram, Facebook. LinkedIn, you know, I, I call those the grown folk type <laughs> media, the, the, the TikTok, you know, I can't get down with yet. I, I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, James Jackson, the third, thank you very much for taking time and sharing your knowledge with us. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Justin. And everybody else, please remember also to go pick up your copy of Black Utah. All right. <laughs> so we're so glad you tuned in to this week's episode of the Uplifting Impact podcast. We need more people like you to help uplift the impact. And in order to do so, be sure to share this episode, comment on it by going to our website at upliftingimpact.com or provide your thoughts directly to us through LinkedIn at Uplifting Impact, Justin Ponder and Deanna Singh. Until next week, keep uplifting the impact. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.